All right. So we are concluding our series, Can I Ask That? And we're going to attempt to answer three questions tonight. The first is about tattoos. Is the Bible against tattoos? Let me say this before I really get started tonight. That even in this room, there's going to be people with these, have differing opinions on the things that we're going to talk about tonight. And my attempt tonight is simply tell you what scripture says. Um, I will, on one of these, kind of share my opinion on it, um, at least on one of these. But that is, I'm not really here to share my opinion, and I don't want you to take my opinion and run with it. I want you to um, kind of wrestle with this yourself. And the first one is about tattoos. Now, when it comes to tattoos and marking your body, there's really no clear command against it or for it. Uh, most people who are against it would go to Leviticus um, chapter ni- uh, 19, verse 28, which says this, You shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead or tattoo yourselves. I am the Lord. And even though believers today are not really under the Old Testament law, such as some of these laws here, um, in fact, that, w- that was the command. Even though th- this command is against tattoos, we need to really explore this a little bit further. The New Testament doesn't say whether tattoos are good or bad. It just, it's not there. Um, but some background on this, on this verse. When someone would die, um, there was a religious ritual where they would go and they would actually cut and mark their body, the, the, the body. Um, not just with ink, but with actual cuttings. And they did this as a religious ritual. And what this one verse in Leviticus is saying is, don't do that. There's no need to do that. So the idea that Leviticus is talking about, about ink here, is not the same thing that what we think of today when you go and sit in a chair and someone gives you a tattoo. It's not the same idea. So, also in, 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 this, in this Leviticus here, um, God was speaking to a culture that is very different than ours. The verses prior to this, um, he warns about eating meat. If you look at verse 26, that you shouldn't eat meat. If you look at verse 27, it's, uh, he warns against trimming your hair. So most Christians today eat meat. And if you don't eat meat, I'm very sorry you don't eat meat because meat is good. And most Christians get haircuts. I think everyone here can say, you've gotten a haircut. I have never gotten a haircut. But most Christians get haircuts. So we can't say, no, it's okay to eat meat and it's okay to get a haircut, but it's not okay to tattoo your body. So within the context of this verse, it just doesn't make sense. So for me, getting a tattoo, it's not moral and it's not immoral. In other words, it's not good or it's not bad. It's just, it's, it's immoral. It's just, it's neither good nor bad. And when someone sits in a chair and someone puts ink in their body, it's not that act right there, in my opinion. This is my opinion. It's not your opinion. This is my opinion. That act is not necessarily a sin. Now, can it be a sin? I believe it can be. And here's how. If you are a minor, living under your parents' roof or your guardian's roof and they say as long as you're living under my roof you're not getting a tattoo 
and you go out and you get a tattoo, then that is disobedience to your parents. Um, we had a student in my last ministry before I moved here who was underage, and he went out and got a tattoo illegally because his parents did not sign for it. The guy did it in his home instead of the shop, and he <laughs> that right there is just not right. So it can be a sin. If you're so yeah, if you're a minor living in your parents' home, do what they say. And we won't get into some questions here in just a second about some questions to ask before you get a tattoo. Um, getting a tattoo could be a sin if you're doing it for maybe prideful reasons or arrogant reasons. All of those are sinful, but the act itself in, get, in getting a tattoo is not right or wrong, in my opinion. It's the reason in which you get it. So you can get a cat tattoo, in my opinion, and, and be completely right, but you can also get a tattoo, in my opinion, and be completely in sin. Now, Tattooing, I believe, can be a witness. There's people with tattoos. I don't have a tattoo. My wife has two tattoos. I don't have a tattoo, but there's people with tattoos who um, they can reach people that I cannot reach. Tattoos can be a witnessing tool. There's people who have tattoos that have verses or different things on it, and that is a great discussion question because people will ask about a tattoo, but they won't necessarily ask about your faith. So it can be, it can lead into that. So here's my advice. Number one is don't get a tattoo if you're getting a tattoo, if you're even thinking about getting a tattoo. I don't know where you are. You're young. You shouldn't be thinking about this right now. But if you want a tattoo at some point in your life, don't get one until one, you're out of your parents' house. You've graduated college. They're not, you're not, they're not supporting you anymore. And two, if you get a tattoo, wait at least a year before you get one from your initial thought of getting one. Because there's this thing called um, regret. And um, tattoos is permanent. And um, if you jump the gun, you could have a mistake. Like this one here says, when I, this is a verse. Everyone should put this on their arm, right? When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things away. (laughs) Mistake, right? And this one says, I'm (laughs) am some. some. I, I don't know. I think it's supposed to be awesome, but he missed the E there. So, yeah, you're awesome, dude. And you got some pimples on your back. That's kind of gross. All right, and this one says, no regret. He has no regrets. So, here are some important, important questions to ask before getting a tattoo. Again, um, there's just not stuff in Scripture. And there's people who grew up who says... If you get a tattoo, it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. And you may have grew up in that family who, who your parents told you it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. And there's people who grew up and their family has lots of tattoos. So we, we, we fall on both of these spectrums. Number one, it's an important question to ask is this. What's your motivation? What is your motiva- motivation? If it's rebellion towards your parents, that's clearly not acceptable. Um, and while... No, artistic self-expression can be okay. Our primary motive should be to glorify God. First Corinthians 10 says, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or get a tattoo. I just threw that in there. 
Do it all to glorify God. So, what's your motivation? You need to answer that question. Number two is, is it modest? Modesty means it is not self-promoting. Are you seeking to direct people's thoughts towards God or to, towards yourself? Tattoos can often accentuate body parts that should not be accentuated. And um, thinking modestly will lead you to think about and even limits maybe the size or location or the number of tattoos that you have. So is it modest? Number three, will you still be marketable? This is an important question. Because there are certain businesses who would not hire you if you have tattoos that are visible. They may require you to cover those up. So if you get that tattoo wherever you want to get it, will you still be marketable? Number four is, what is your message? What is it about yourself that you want to communicate to the world? Tattoos are powerful messages. And they convey what you value. And they are permanent. And they will likely be with you for the rest of your life. So, what is your message that you're trying to put out there? Number five, what will it look like if your body changes? Girls, <laughs> you probably don't want to put a sun around your belly button if you want to get pregnant one day. Or a moon, or whatever. Because the moon would one day be a full moon. And it would not look the same. Okay? So, if your body changes, like I would not get a tattoo on my arm because one day I'm going to have, I'm going to be buff and I don't want it to change. Or maybe I'd be saggy and it would look weird. I don't know. Have you guys ever seen the tattoos that their body changes? Like, what was that? It's like, it's not the same anymore. All right. And we'll have a tattoo honor God. Whatever tattoo you get, if you get a tattoo one day. Will that tattoo honor God? I think that's one of the most important questions you can answer. Because if it does not honor God, you should not get that tattoo. Will that tattoo honor God? All right, we're going to stop there. Like I said, there's not a lot of scripture with this. Number two, number second question is, what's the deal with weed? Marijuana. Pot. Reefer. Mary Jane. Whatever. I mean, there's so many different things. And let me preface this, this this way. I have never smoked marijuana in my life. I have never done it. I don't know. I don't have a desire to smoke weed. And, but I do know that it's everywhere. I know that it's in your school. I know that it's in our community. I know it's here in Topeka. I know it's here. And some of you have maybe different stances on this. So what I want to do is look at three different things, three different parts of this. We're going to look at what culture says about this, what the church says about this, and what the Bible says about this. Culture. There's really two different camps. There's pro-weed and anti-weed. And here's a survey that we did the past few weeks. Some of you guys took this survey. We had nearly 100 people take this survey, like 95 or 96 people take it. And this, out of the people who took it, this is what the results were. 29% took, were middle schoolers that took it. Eight, 71% were high schoolers that took the survey. 16% of you said you've been offered weed at school before. So 16 out of 100, it'd be about 30, probably about 50 of you guys in this room if we were to do this. 19% been offered weed outside of school. 50, this is dead center, 
said, you've never been offered weed, but you've seen it or smelled it before. If you went on the winter retreats, the first day on the shuttle, it was there. I smelt it, but I didn't doubt it. And then 10% of you said you have tried it. So in the room this size, that would be about 30 of you guys said you tried it before. So this is not a survey that's out there. This is what you guys said here. So with that said, this is there. This is an issue. These are not high numbers. They're definitely surveys that's been done that's much higher than this. But here in Topeka, Kansas, Fellowship Bible Church, here it is. It's out there. So why I talk about this when there's so many more issues that are more prevalent, like sex and, and drinking and all these different things. And here's the reason why we want to talk about this. We're going to spend probably more time on this one than anything else. Because the Bible is very clear about sex. And Joe did a message two weeks ago that was beautiful on sexual integrity. If you missed it, you should go back and listen to it online. And the Bible is very clear about alcohol and what what the Bible says about alcohol. But this is a gray area. Because does Scripture say anything about this? What is this whole deal about marijuana? In a broader survey, like I said, there's other surveys that have been done. It says 42% said they've never tried it, while 58% said they've tried it. Men are more likely to do it than women. Younger people are more likely to do it than older people. So young boys, you're more likely to do it than older women. And there's two camps, like I said, pro-weed and anti-weed. Pro-weed says this, listen, just because you make something illegal isn't going to stop people from doing it. And as a matter of fact, if you tell people they can't do it, that'll make them want to do it even more. So we shouldn't make it legal. So we don't have to worry about that. And this is what they say. If we legalize it, then we can sell it in stores and we can tax people. And then we can give the money to the government government instead of the drug cartel. And this is what the pro-weed people say. Some have said that marijuana is not nearly as addicting as alcohol or other drugs are. But here's the thing. Marijuana is a gateway drug. Many people who do marijuana, they end up doing bigger drugs eventually. Stronger drugs. So some would say that the side effects of marijuana are just very small compared to other things. And actually, some would say that it helps with such things as migraines, and, and there's medical reasons for that. The other side says, others would say that when you buy weed, you're funding the drug cartel down in Mexico or, or what, wherever, and which brings all kinds of issues here in America. Another says, it, this is the, the anti-weed, says it kills brain cells, that it lowers IQ levels. And studies have, been, have proven that when students use marijuana, their IQ levels drop. And if they stop using it, their, their IQ levels never get back to where they were before. It kills brain cells. Now, if you're pro-weed, you have quotes against this. If you're anti-weed, you have quotes against I mean, th- th- here's the thing about the culture. It's a wash to me. Because we could sit here and we have pro-weed and anti-weed up here and they could argue all day long and never get anywhere. So to me, this is a wash. So Colorado, five years ago, a little over five years ago, they, they legalized 
marijuana. And here's some stats from, from what's happened since the five years that they legalized it. Homelessness is the fastest in, in Colorado than anywhere else. People are making their way, homeless people are making their way to Colorado so that they can partake in, in marijuana. Fatal car accidents have doubled for those who have tested positive for weed. Drug use by students K-12 have increased 45% in the last five years. And school violations in high school have increased 71%. That's the facts in Colorado. Church. The church basically says this. It's a sin. And because of that, don't smoke weed. For two reasons. One, it hurts your body. Marijuana is a sin because of the fact that it will hurt your body. It kills brain cells. You get addicted to it and so on. And the Bible says if you're, that your body is a temple of God, even though there's a context between, about, about sex and not necessarily about this, but your body is a temple of God and you're not supposed to hurt your body. And the problem with this is the very same people who say don't smoke weed because it hurts your body, they're the same people who are addicted to caffeine. They're addicted to gravy. Because gravy's good. <laughs> They're addicted to Big Macs for some reason. They're addicted to Krispy Kreme because they're sugary and hot and soft. They're addicted to cigarettes. They eat candy bars. They eat fast food three times a week. I mean, the same people who are addicted who say, don't do drugs because it's bad for your body. They're the same people who stand, who go out and eat McDonald's three times a week. And that's hypocritical. Because this verse, your body's a temple of God. Yeah, we believe that. But there's more than just drugs that hurts your body. So I don't think we can use this as as a church to say, don't do drugs. The second thing is, they say don't smoke weed because it's illegal. The Bible says obey the law of the land and the law says don't smoke weed so don't do it. The problem with this is if you're in Kansas, it's against the law. You step across the border in Colorado and it's not against the law as long as you're 21. So to me, this is a wash to me as well. You cannot determine what is right or wrong because of human law. And here's an example. It's not against the law for your, your mother to have an affair on your father. It's not against the law. It's against scripture, but it's not against the law. It's not against the law for me to gossip about you. I'm not, I, if I gossip about you, I would not get thrown in jail. It's not against the law for, for me to do that. So we can't say because it's against the law, we shouldn't do it. So to me... These two reasons are washed to me. It, it doesn't matter. It's a bunk. So culture side is a wash. Church's side to me is a wash. Because there's two different sides. So the Bible. Let's look at scripture. What does the Bible say about marijuana? And here's a hard thing. You would not find the word marijuana anywhere in scripture. It's not there. 
You were not reading Leviticus. You shall smoke weed because it's good for you and it'll give you happy thoughts. You won't find it. You won't find Jesus saying, hey guys, you need to roll up a big one and smoke it. No, you won't find that either. And then the closest thing you'll find is, is in Acts when Stephen, and scripture says Stephen got stoned. That's the closest thing you'll get to any of this. Sorry, that's a church joke. He didn't really get stoned, but he got rocked. So while the Bible doesn't talk about this, it, it does mention some different things here. First Peter 5, 8 says to be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. What does that mean? By that, by sober-minded, it means that you need to be able to speak and think clearly. The Bible describes Satan as a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And listen, when you have weed or alcohol, for that matter, in your system, it causes your mind to not think clearly. So why is this important? Because when we don't think clearly, the adversary, Satan, will devour you. It makes it so much easier for him to attack you. If we don't think clearly, we make mistakes. And some of the mistakes can be life-changing. And listen, I make mistakes and when I'm not high or drunk. So I can't imagine how much more mistakes I would make if I did do this. As it relates to alcohol, some people can have a drink and it doesn't affect them. But if you have multiple drinks, it does. You're no longer sober-minded when that happens. You sinned. So the Bible says then we need to think soberly in our own mind because we have an enemy who's trying to devour us. And here's what, here's a verse that pro-weed people say. They use Genesis 1.29. This is what they say. They said, God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. Now, people who smoke weed, they say, God gave us this. He wants us to enjoy it. Whether it's for medical purposes or recreational purposes, this is a scripture that everyone turns to. And I get that. It says, every seed-bearing plant, and marijuana is a seed-bearing plant. So God created, created it, so it must be good. He also created uh, uh, poison ivy. But I don't see anyone rolling up a poison ivy leaf and smoking it. You tried it? It wouldn't surprise me, actually. I'm just kidding. I love you. It's Valentine's Day. Here's the deal. Looking at Scripture, in this passage in Genesis chapter 1, what it actually says in the, in the context of this, the words herb and seed is not in the original language. It actually says, see, I have given you everything that will bear fruit. I have given you, I have given you the green trees and they will be food for you. So God wasn't talking about the different plants that would grow, 
but the plants that would grow that would be food for you, like the, the carrots and the potatoes and the apples and the oranges and all these watermelons and all this stuff that would be food for you. Things that we eat for nourishment. And here's the other argument that, that pro-weed people say. They say, making a plant illegal is like saying God is wrong. Making a plant illegal was one of the first things God ever did. And there's one more verse, and this is the big one that I want to spend some time on. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 5. Verses 19 through 21. So now the works of the law, sorry, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And some of you are like, there you go. It doesn't mention, it doesn't mention weed. It mentions drunkenness, but weed doesn't make you drunk. So there, we can smoke weed and we're good. But I want you to listen to what these words actually mean. It says, now the works the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, and sorcery. And when you think of sorcery, you think of witchcraft and witches. But I want to give you, I don't usually do this, but I want to give you the Greek word for that word sorcery. It's the word pharmakeia. And the word pharmakeia has two different meanings. One is pharmacy, like when you go to the drugstore or pharmacy and you get drugs because half of Kansas has the flu right now. You go there, you get drugs and, and prescriptions. But in the context of this verse here, it means the use of herbs and concoctions for the intent of altering the mind. So even though marijuana is not there, it says, this is what it actually says. The works of the flesh is sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, and plants that make you get high. And Paul says that those who do these things, as well as other things, would not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, if you continue to do these things on a regular basis, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Meaning, we need to change. And he goes on a little bit later, says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That when you replace these things with those things, with the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm not trying to find a verse to bring you and say, see, the Bible says don't do it, so you can't do it. I'm just trying to find truth. And this is a gray area. And I'm not going to tell you that if you smoke weed, if you've ever smoked weed, you're not going to heaven. But I just want to show you and point out what Scripture says. Because to me, I'm not going to do it anyway. So God asks us to be sober-minded. Galatians 5, he, he lists these herbs and concoctions of getting high as a sin. And to wrap up the issue of marijuana, culture says that it can be good or bad. Church says it's illegal or it's bad for you. God says that you won't inherit the kingdom of God if you do it on a regular basis. And we can spend more time on that, but we'll stop there. And the reason is it would cause you not to think clearly and cause you to make bad decisions. Let's look at alcohol very quickly. What's the Bible say about alcohol? <clears throat> I want to share with you six things about drinking alcohol, what the Bible says about drinking alcohol. 
<clears throat> Number one, the Bible says, the Bible allows Christians to drink for medical reasons. In 1 Timothy 5, 23, let me just read it to you. You can look it up later. Paul told Timothy, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. So there's this instance in Scripture where Paul told Timothy that you need a little bit of wine. Probably red wine. Number two, the Bible portrays alcohol as something good and enjoyable. The first instance is when Jesus turned water into wine. First miracle. They were at a party. The party was going to end. And he did this miracle. Psalm 104 says, He makes grass, grass to grow for the cattle and plants for man to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens the heart of man, wine that gladdens the heart of man, oil that makes his face shine, and bread that sustains his heart. So sometimes Bible, the Bible talks about alcohol as something good and enjoyable. Number three, the Bible pr- 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 uh, forbids drunkenness. You can read it over and over. Ephesians, Romans, Galatians, First Peter is all there. The Bible says not to allow alcohol or not to be drunk with alcohol. It says don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So there's times and times again that, it, and we talked about that a little bit um, earlier. The Bible forbids um, drinking if it offends fellow believers. Romans 14 and 1 Corinthians 8. Um, Romans 14, 21 says, It's good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. So we won't do anything that causes... If you have a friend who, who doesn't drink and you go out and drink, that could cause him to stumble. Or if you have a friend who has an has a issue with alcohol and you go out and you have a drink, that could cause him to have a drink and, and fall back into that. Number five, the Bible warns that drinking is often dangerous and unwise. Look at um, Proverbs 20, verse 1. It says, wine is a mocker, strong drink, a brawler. And whoever is led astray by it is not wise. So this, these passages suggest that oftentimes it's wise to totally stay away from alcohol. And to me, my opinion on this is if you're of age... If you have a glass of wine at dinner, I don't see an issue with that. But Scripture says that when it becomes an issue, when you have too many drinks, that it alters the mind, then those, that is when he, he, he warns us about that. But guess what? For all of you guys, you're under 21, so it doesn't matter right now for you. For you right now, you're not to drink alcohol. Now, I've seen too many, I've heard of and seen too many instances where a girl had too many drinks and a guy took advantage of her. Where a guy had too many drinks and he had a car accident and hurt him or, her, or someone else, an innocent family. There's too many dangers out there for when you start losing your mind, when you're not in when you're not sober-minded. And when you're not sober-minded, going back to First Peter, the enemy is out there and he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. 
He wants you to have that second drink and that third drink and that fourth drink so that you're not sober-minded anymore, so that you can be taken advantage of. So that you will hop in that car and drive, not in your right mind. He's waiting for you to do that. The enemy is out there seeking someone to devour. He's seeking you guys. Let's pray. Jesus, um, thank you so much for your word. And God, it's my prayer that the words that came out of my mouth was clear, that it was truthful. God, I pray that as we go to small groups, that you just gather discussion, that you will... um, that you'll be pleased with everything that happens in the next 30 or 45 minutes. God, we pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, guys, you're dismissed for small groups. If, you've, if you're new here, you don't know where you're going, you can come up here and I will direct you. Otherwise, have a great week, and we'll see you guys next week.